1: Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. So Sarah. Yes, Beth. Today we're talking to Nicole, and I'm really excited about it because we're going to be talking about issues with reconstruction. Yeah, um, which is really common. Yeah, it's super common. It's yeah. more common than not. Let's talk about why this is
0: fitting into the quality of life series because we. Yes. So since we're in the new year, we're talking about quality of life, and 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 we've talked about reconstruction already when we were going through diagnosis and everything. But yeah, choosing um, like how to yeah. choose what mm-hmm. you want. Yeah, but how? Let's let's talk about why this fits into quality of life.
1: Well, I mean. Obviously, I think a lot of people look at reconstruction as kind of the the period at the end of the sentence, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get through everything else and this is the final stage that helps you kind of give yourself closure mm-hmm. and hopefully makes you feel better about yourself after you've put your body through so much. And so I think a lot of people look forward to it, but <laughs> yes. but then reality sometimes doesn't match that story in your yeah. mind, right? Yeah. And so I think a lot of women are... I mean, it, it is upsetting like yeah. to find out that it's not just this easy road and all of a yeah. sudden you're at the easiest part. Sometimes reconstruction can be the most difficult part of a woman's story. For sure. So I think it, it impacts your quality of life mm-hmm. when you're hoping to be done and then all of a sudden it's it there's complications and yep. things. Did you have any issues with your reconstruction? I did not. I, I was blessed
0: to have kind of flown through that and... and... From what I heard after the fact, because I was like, oh, well, this is actually not that difficult, that that isn't always the case for people. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Did
0: you? So you had a complication, though. You, I did. Your incision opened up, right?
1: Yeah. 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 I've talked about that in a previous episode that probably a couple weeks after my reconstruction, everything went fine with my reconstruction. But then a couple weeks afterward, I had just the tiniest, like the tip of a pin. Like opening and they were like, well, let's just keep an eye on it. And the short story oh, so is, is like weeks later, it was inflamed and infected. And mm-hmm. I had to go to the emergency room and my implant was exposed, like mm-hmm. basically. And I had to run to the emergency room and they prepared me for the fact that I'm you know the resident told me oh we might have to take this out and you might have to start all over which induced panic panic for sure you know because again you you're hoping you're going to be done and now they're telling you we got to do this all over again that wasn't the case for me they went in and they took some volume out of my left implant and then were able to stitch me up and it was okay um but you know and so in comparison mine was relatively minor Mm -hmm. but I definitely was worried that it was going to reopen because that skin's so thin so you just don't know yeah you know so yeah today we're going to talk to another survivor, Nicole, who, quite frankly, I mean, she had a horrible time with her reconstruction journey. In fact, she nearly died. So we're going to start with a quick snapshot of when she was diagnosed and her treatment plan. And then we're going to talk about what her original desires for reconstruction were and how the plan kind of changed over time. And finally, we'll talk about the complications she experienced, how she's doing today and what she wants other women to know when it comes to reclaiming their bodies after a breast cancer diagnosis. So empowering. Yes. But before we introduce her, let's do our first sponsor. Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at www.coldcap.com.
0: All right, welcome Nicole. So, Nicole is a young survivor. She's a mom, she's a teacher, and she is also a Faith Through Fire mentor. She's a survivor mentor. So, thank you for being here and sharing your story with us today.
2: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on here and hopefully I've been praying that this will help some other people.
1: Yes. So you and your family were sharing your reconstruction journey on Facebook and I felt like I was watching a movie unfold. It was like gripping, but not in a good way. It was, I mean, Nicole, I was literally on the edge of my seat some days, like trying to figure out what was What was all going on? I kind of want to get into that. You just hit your five-year cancerversary, so congratulations for that. Didn't that just happen in in October, or did I make that up?
2: Yes, no, October.
1: That's awesome. So tell everybody when you were diagnosed with breast cancer and kind of what your treatment plan was originally.
2: I was diagnosed when I was 34. It was October 3rd of 2016. Nobody really took me seriously at first because I was so young. They thought it was, I was nursing my three-month-old baby. And so they kept thinking it was a milk duct that was clogged, you know. It took some pushing and some different doctors to finally get the diagnosis. But I was 34 and I had a three-year-old and a six-month-old when I was officially diagnosed. Oh wow! And whenever I was first diagnosed, I had about one week to wean my baby before mm-hmm. chemo
1: stopped.
2: It was her two positive, and it was very aggressive. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so what what stage did they diagnose you with?
2: Started at a two, it went to a three, and ended up at a three C.
1: Okay, so you were gonna have to do the whole thing. You did did is that right? Did you do chemo, radiation, and reconstruction? I did it all. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what did you originally choose for reconstruction?
2: Well, the first step with everything was really to shrink my tumor. So there was no talk at first of that. We jumped straight into chemo. Mm -hmm. And so we did four treatments with the Red Devil, Progetta, and Cytoxin with the first four treatments. And that was pretty daunting. And then we went into Taxol and Herceptin. And then after they verified that the tumor had shrunk, the plan was to do a double mastectomy and do implants. And so that's what we did.
1: Okay. So you did radiation and then you did implants.
2: No. See, that's where we hit a problem. That's where we made our first mistake. The doctor (laughs) thought that I was young enough to withstand radiation with the implants. I was overall healthy other than, you know, cancer. And so he thought, you know, I would be okay. So we did 36, we did implants first. I healed from that surgery and then we did 36 rounds of radiation and it destroyed.
1: I didn't know that you could get implants and then have radiation. Mm-hmm. I thought you had to do radiation first, then wait, then get implants. Now we have
0: we have another mentor who did that who did it that way really? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure and that that was on the table for me if I had chosen to do radiation. yeah, but th- did they didn't they warn you that it would put there was a potential of the risk of it when you did yeah, it? There yeah, okay.
2: Yeah. But he was very confident that I was, you know, I was recovering from chemo. I seemed to be strong enough. He thought that I would do okay. So I did implants first and that surgery went off without a hitch. It was fine. It was the radiation that caused all the problems the first time.
1: Mm. So did you know immediately like when you started radiation or was it kind of gradual over time and then at the end it got hairy or how did that all unfold?
2: Radiation was a breeze at first. I kind of left about it because, you know, I I think that those that don't do chemo and those that do do chemo and then radiation have different perspectives on it. But I was feeling good. You know, Mm -hmm. I I thought this is not bad at all.
1: Yeah, in comparison to the red devil, some I felt the same way. I was like, radiation, sure, but some women feel sicker on radiation, so you Mm -hmm. just don't know. But I hear you
2: got to like day 20 and then my skin ended up, I had to do s- some boosters at the end, but my skin ended up so bad. It was just, it looked like it was melting off my body.
1: Oh my gosh. Um, was that scary?
2: It was disgusting. It was scary. It, it was just, I felt bad that my husband even had to look at it. It got so painful that I, you know, I, I couldn't hardly wear a shirt. So my radiation at the end with those boosters, just, I mean, I remember the last day laying on the table with tears running down my face not the last day, maybe the second to last day. And I was thinking, I can't do this one more time. I cannot go through this anymore. Mm. And I just cried and I thought I'm gonna pull it together by the time my nurses Mm. get in here. And then they came in and I just lost it. And they just listened though. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I I kept saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. And they convinced me to come back one more day and do it. And the next day I came in and I joked, I said, I'm not gonna fall apart today. I've got it all together. But the end was really, really hard.
1: Yeah. So you finished radiation. And then when did you know that, like, did you start getting infections? Is that how you need, there was a problem with your recon? Like, did you? You're
2: exactly right. Yeah. We went to Navarre to celebrate like the end of our cancer journey. I lost my sister during my cancer journey as well in a head on car crash. And so it was just a really hard time for my family. So Navarre was kind of our let's start over. This is a new day trip. And about five days in, we were on a date night. My husband and I, my mom had the kids and I was with my brother and, and I started feeling just really bad. And I started running a fever and we got back to the condo and we knew something was wrong my breast swelled up like almost like i had mastitis like i had been nursing mm-hmm. my left breast just got real big and hard and red so we flew home pretty quick and went straight to the doctor at that point.
1: and that's a mm. that's a miserable feeling like when you're infected and it's mm-hmm. inflamed and it's it's red and it's hard it is so miserable yeah it's mm-hmm. just you you're not going to enjoy a trip you you know yeah. something's wrong you have a fever Ultimately, you ended up losing the left implant, right?
2: I did. So when I got home, I went straight to my doctor. He was fairly certain by just removing the implant that it would fix itself. But I am a teacher and I had to be at work the next week. I'm a bit stubborn and it was like a Tuesday. <laughs> and I said, can I get this done this week and be at work on Monday? And he said, well, you will be because I was just headstrong like that. So mm-hmm. we I told him, right, get it out. Let's go. So we got it out on thursday and i was back at work on monday but it still got worse from there
1: i think that's so interesting that you're like i'm gonna go in get this done and then come back (laughs) because that's the way you were that i did the same thing i started i had a new job i was starting on monday and i was like we need to get this fixed so i can start my new job and i'm not even going to tell them that this happened like they had no clue and i think isn't that interesting like in hindsight nicole do you feel like that is just well that's just my personality or do you look back and think that was a moment of insanity. Like, why wasn't I taking that time for myself to kind of really grieve this and to go through that? Like, were you thinking that, or were you just like, no, no time for this?
2: Now I look back and think I was crazy. Yeah, yeah. my, I, 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 I'm so dedicated to what I do that I couldn't just not be there. But looking back, I would have told someone else, take time off for yourself. That's just not who I am and how I'm made. So I was at work. And that, yeah, you know, first I- week is. Of- students couldn't start school without their teacher. Like.
1: <laughs> I, I am glad you said that because I feel the same way. Like for all the women listening right now that are headstrong and they're just like, I'm not going to let this define me. And I've got things to do. I hear you. And we felt the same way. But you you may not be. You know what? I I think that
0: that's a there's two sides to that. And it's it's easy in hindsight to say that. But, you know, I I did take some time off work. I was I was like part time ish and I was lucky enough to be able to make that decision and, and it work out for me. But I felt like being at work was helpful to yeah, some it people if, do yeah. to, to like get my mind off of it. And it, and it wasn't a stressful place. I think so it's,
1: we're going to do an episode on mindset. I don't think it's necessarily about whether you do or don't go to work. I yeah. think it's more about caring, like allowing yourself. Yeah. Not being a superwoman, not being superwoman yeah. and giving yourself the space to just feel the feels. Right? right. Yeah. OK. So, Nicole, you were flat on one side for four years, right? So like you had that implant removed and then you decided to try reconstruction again, just recently with the deep flap. And did I get that right?
2: Yes. After I lost that implant though, it's important to know that I, it wasn't over. I ended up with another infection from that surgery and I ended up rushed to St. Louis that time. That was one of the worst days of my journey because I didn't have time to prepare my daughter. She was three and we mm-hmm. realized I was sick again. And I had to go to St. Louis and I had to make the call for my health and it broke my daughter's heart. They pulled her from me screaming and crying. And it was the worst day ever because with everything else I was able to prepare her. I ended up on vancomycin that time in the hospital for several days. And then I came home on a four to five week stent of vancomycin through my So
1: you had like a cellulitis infection that was pretty severe.
0: I had MRSA. Yes. Okay. So was this on your flat, the flat side, the
1: now flat side?
0: Uh So you had
1: the implant removed, but you got an infection after you recovered from that on that side?
2: Yep, right at around the same time within a couple of weeks.
1: Okay, and then you had to recover from that, and and how was that recovery? Was it fairly quick once you got the antibiotics, or was it pretty tumultuous?
2: (laughs) seemed to go pretty quick. I ended up with an allergic reaction the last day of the antibiotic and that was kind of a mess. It was not too bad running the IVs and stuff. It was more just the the time that the home health nurse had to come and change my port and things like that. But having that port helped me Mm -hmm. because I was able to run my own medicine at home. Oh, nice.
1: I want to jump into your most recent surgery with your deep flap because deep flaps are, I, I am fascinated by them, but they often come with a a lot of complications and you were no different in that aspect before we do that do you guys want to do boobs in the news let's do it okay boobs in the news is a fun segment where we read funny tweets by real people or ridiculous news stories boobs in the news is brought to you by pink perfect pink hyphen perfect.com pink perfect provides silicone prosthetic nipples for women who have undergone mastectomy and breast reconstruction with nipple removal Visit pink-perfect.com and use promo code Through Fire to receive $25 off your purchase. Bibs in the news, bibs in the news, bibs in the news. This is, I don't know why I chose this story. I just thought it was funny. Okay. I like a funny story. Okay. So the name of this article is Thieving Coconut Crab Snips Through Golfer's Club on Christmas Island.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: We're coming off of Christmas. Yeah. So this this was a story on January 3rd. It says, a member of a golfing party on Australia's Christmas Island captured video when a massive coconut crab attempted to steal a golf club and ended up chomping through the shaft with its claws.
0: Gracious. That's a huge crab.
1: (laughs) Yeah. These guys were all like playing, you know, as a guys group. They're all playing it. So apparently they say Friday golf is like a religion on the island. So even if you can't play, you go out and you support like the guys that are and you have a beer and basically that mm-hmm. it's like a big party thing. Right. So they're all th- these crabs are called robber crabs because they have a penchant for thievery. Like they climb, <laughs> they, cl- they they go steal yeah. things and take it back to their home. So anyway, they were basically playing golf in this cr- crab came up to get this guy's club and <laughs> then the man attempted to wrestle the crab like from the club <laughs> and the, cl- the crab ended up using its claws to like cut through the shaft of the club that so like is, that's terrifying because if it can cut through a shaft of a golf club unless it's wood like
0: that can go through a bone well right
1: that's what i'm saying like they're dangerous so like it turned into this big squirmish where these guys were like oh fighting gosh. this crab like have you guys ever had to let com- the club go right you think so <laughs> yeah. i don't think those clubs are expensive well, yeah, I hear that. But um, so is a bone. So are we going <laughs> to say the boob is like the guy that wouldn't let the club go? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, that's <laughs> funny. Have you guys ever come face to face with an angry animal?
2: No, um, I don't think so.
1: Have you ever seen that YouTube video? I think it's a YouTube video where the guy is like g- getting into the squirmish with a raccoon on his deck it's hysterical no but i
0: think raccoons are h- so cute and hilarious because they look like little bandits
1: but they're mean but they're little hands but are... they're mean yeah i know but they're cute oh my gosh <laughs> i've had nicole have you ever had uh, an, a run-in with an animal like that
2: no i don't think so my husband really wants to see a bear in the wild but i don't really know that i want with...
1: to <laughs> it's kind of neat i mean if you go to like yellowstone or uh-huh. the grand tetons it's pretty cool seeing a bear with their cubs. Now, I will say, because I spent a summer in Yellowstone working. The idiot really? I- Yeah. I don't we'll, not know this about you. Oh, we'll talk about it. <laughs> I cleaned <laughs> I cleaned ho- hotel rooms in, in Yellowstone for a summer and, and lived up there. And huh. they always had the mama bears with their baby bears. And it's so cute. But idiot tourists. Do you want to talk boobs in the news? Yeah. These idiot tourists would get super close and try to take pictures. And then it never went well. <laughs> yeah. We
2: had one running around our neighborhood when we were building our house. We live in the woods, but we never got to see it. So my husband was pretty bummed, but Mm. he was was around
1: maybe that's like a a birthday gift you get him like a camera that he can mount outside on the trees and then he can
0: that's a good idea
1: those game cameras or you could do one of those feeds like they do at the zoo where you can just watch them all day yeah all right
0: you can get a sloth experience i wonder if you can get a bear experience there
1: you go (laughs) all right we got way off track there's your boobs in the news bibs in the news bibs in the news bibs in the news Okay, so here you are, Nicole, four years later after this whole thing with your implant, you went four years being flat on the left side, you decide that you're ready to try again, and you decide to go for a deep flap, which you went in for, I believe, in July, right? Did your doctor prepare you for the number of complications that often come from the deep procedure? Did he warn you about that?
2: I mean, he talked a little bit, but it wasn't extensive. No, he said it was the most successful breast cancer reconstruction surgery because it's using your own tissue. So he was very positive on, you know, the percentages were all magnificent and things. So we did not expect, he thought I was a wonderful candidate. So we didn't expect any real issues.
0: So so I have a question just because I want a little bit more context. When you originally had your surgeries, did you do a double or a single mastectomy? I did a double double. okay, And then so so you would then theoretically when all of this, when you were done with this deep, you would have deep on one side and you'd have the implant on the other.
2: Actually, no, we removed the implant and did deep on the other side as well.
1: Got it. OK.
2: My own tissue. So You
1: did two basically two deeps at the same time. Yes. Okay. Ooh, boy, girl. So just so people who aren't aware what a deep flap is, it's basically a type of breast reconstruction in which blood vessels are, are as well as skin and fat, are connected and removed from the lower abdomen and then transferred to the chest to reconstruct the breast. So there's blood vessels that you have to basically keep alive. You just went through this massive surgery. It's your first night in. and Now you start to lose a pulse. I mean, how did that feel?
2: At first, he didn't, you know, act too concerned about it. He was going to come in in the morning and check it. You know, they some people could still find it. One nurse couldn't, one nurse could. So it was kind of blown off as not a real big deal at first, but the nurses kept pushing that they thought that it was significantly getting worse until the next day. At first, you know, I didn't think too much about it. I thought we can fix this.
1: What was their next step once they realized that you lost the heartbeat, so to speak? What happened then?
2: I started to get extreme chest and back pain. My blood pressure stopped dropping to like 70 over 39. I started getting a terrible headache and they ended up doing a blood transfusion at that point.
1: I remember your I think your mom got on Facebook and was like, we need prayer. She took a turn like that's when Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, no, Mm because it happened pretty quick right after your surgery.
2: And I was so in and out of pain medicines and in so much pain that it was hard for me to keep track of everything. So I actually have a note sheet in front of me that my mother typed up for all my oh. doctors, just so we can keep it all straight.
0: So what did they find out was wrong? Because you alluded to there was a condition that they didn't know about. So so what what did they discover you, was
1: really going on they, with your blood pressures? I was going to say because they got you under control and sent you home, right?
2: Yeah. So they ended up before that surgery, <laughs> there's a lot to it. So he ended up taking out the flap, the flap on the left side. Um, but before he did that, he started talking about doing a flap from my back. And I was in so much pain at this point. I kept thinking there's no way I, I can't <laughs> imagine having something off my back
1: as well. What in the world was going through your mind during all this? This sounds Horrible. Like, you're a woman of faith. So am I. I mean, were you having conversations with God? Like, what the heck? Like, what is, like, why, why, why?
2: Just let this be over. Just, you know, yeah, why? And that's something I questioned at the beginning of my journey. And I've handled pretty well. You know, I remember the night before diagnosis on my hands and knees. I call it my, my, the only time I think I ever really wore room prayed was the night before diagnosis. And I remember begging God that it would just go away.
1: Okay. So they're doing all these different lines. They're not able to get good IVs. What They finally get it under control. And then what was the conversation with you like? Like, okay, now we're going to send you home, right? You're missing a... They took out the flap on the left side.
2: They haven't taken the flap out yet. So this is where the doctor went and started digging through papers and found that the main cause for everything is that my superior vena cava was blocked completely.
1: So I'm like doing a little like Google search like a vena ca- cava because cava, that- cava vena cava <laughs> so it's two uh-huh. large veins that drain blood from the upper body and from the lower body and empty into it's the, the, the right.
2: Ha- yeah, it's the blood that controls your entire body. So I'm lucky I wasn't in a car accident or something before this, because they wouldn't have known that this mm-hmm. was a problem and I could have I could have died. I mean, mm-hmm. because
1: so if it's cemented it was- shut now, like what are you? How is that impacting your health now to have these? these veins that aren't accessible
2: well that's a good question there's nothing we can do we've talked about putting a life alert bracelet on me or tattooing somehow on my body to let people know that they can't get access those ways Mm. but it's a condition I just have to live with now
1: okay and that's what caused all the under all the complications stem from this and they just didn't know when you went into this
2: yes my body just couldn't handle the stress of it
1: oh my gosh so many ups and downs like i mean emotionally nicole i know you're so resilient but i mean everybody's got their limit Mm -hmm. i mean i just i can't imagine what this felt like for you
2: my limit came when they did the thorne synthesis i think because i was up there and i was having a hard time breathing And so they ended up taking me down for a Thorin and they acted like, you know, the numbing shot would be the worst, no big deal. You would be fine for the the rest of the procedure. And I remember when they put that tube in my back, Mm -hmm. I begged and I cried and I begged and I just said, just get it out of me. I can't handle anymore Mm -hmm. because I could feel that tube in me. And it, it, it just was something I couldn't handle at that point. So the nurse in front of me was holding my hands and just, Praying me through it.
1: Mm. Wow. I f- every patient has that straw that breaks the mm-hmm. camel's back. And it's not always like the most painful thing. It's it, Sometimes it can be like something really painful. Sometimes uh-huh. it can be something really simple and people won't always understand it. But everybody mm-hmm. has their breaking point. It sounds like that was yours.
2: It was. I just kept saying, please stop. Just get it out of me. Just get it out of me. Just You know, I I just, I, I, and they pulled about 550 cc's off Holy cow! and they wanted to push it down a little more and see if they could get more. And I said, no, just get it out. Like I couldn't, but it helped. I mean, I could breathe again once it was over. So it did what it needed to do, but it was the one thing they did that I just almost lost it over.
0: Yeah. And was that the last time you were in the hospital then or
2: it was. I was in the hospital about five days that day. Um, I ended up with two blood clots while I was in there a Jeez. left um, internal jugular and a left subclavian. They started Lovinox and they discharged me. And then I've had to see the vascular surgeon since. They've still got me on blood thinners just to make sure they said at least two more months and then we'll will reevaluate
0: mm-hmm.
1: but
2: I even ended up with vision loss from all of this.
1: Oh so. man. I saw that. I saw that you had vision loss and then but I thought it was coming back. Is it coming back?
2: It is coming back. It'll never be exactly what it was. I still see some floaters and stuff.
1: Jeez. I want to finish with where you are today mentally and physically, what you want women to know because you you made a Facebook post which prompted me to ask you to be on the podcast because mm-hmm. I thought it was really inspiring just basically you talking to other women about their bodies and 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 so I want to touch on that but before we do that let's go to our second sponsor. Innsbruck Resort is a proud sponsor of the Faith Through Fire Respite House and the Besties with Breasties podcast. We know you work hard but at Innsbruck we also know you want to disconnect from what's stressing you out and reconnect with the important things in your life. Innsbruck makes it easy by offering lakefront living and vacationing less than 45 minutes from St. Louis vacation homes, golf, swimming, nature trails, fun events, and more. Take a drive and discover Innsbruck. Visit Innsbruck-Resort.com. Nicole, where are you today physically and emotionally?
0: I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the best response. I'm good. Can you, can you hear sure, her elaborate, please? Can, can you,
1: can you hear her Southern, her Southern draw? I'm good, honey. I'm good. I'm fine. Don't worry about um, it. You know, she's got that, that's, you know, that toughness in her That's yeah. just like, I'm all good. It's fine.
2: I am. My husband once said that, um, he wished it was him going through all of the struggles that I went through. And I said, no, baby, I'll take one for the team because uh, I
1: don't, you know what it's, <laughs> it. it's so true. Like you said that. And I, I had the same discussion in my family. I'm like, if anybody in our family could do this, it's me. Yeah. For sure, Just it's me. Let
2: me do it. Let, let me take do it. And move on Right, yeah.
1: right. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds like you're in a good place. I, I want to talk about the Facebook post that you posted recently, kind of talking to other women about what you had hoped for for yourself, kind of like your reconstruction hopes. You know, kind of to put yourself back together after cancer, and then realizing because you you made mention that you went to the doctor and was like, "This is the end of the road for me," right on my left side. Like, there's nothing else. And he was like, "Well, maybe we could do some fat grafting," but you basically came to the conclusion that nope. I'm done Mm -hmm. it's not worth my life and you wanted to have uh, you gave a message to other women who maybe were going through what you've gone through and can you kind of tell people what that was
2: yeah you bet so you know, I looked like every woman. This was the end of my journey. You know, five years later, I was going to be whole again. I was going to feel like a woman again. So when things didn't work out, I was crushed. You know, I pretty much went home the same way I went into the hospital when it was all said and done. I do have a nice tummy tuck, though, I have to say. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> you take the wind where you can get yeah. off. You
2: bet. You bet. But I, I started joking and just saying, you know, boobs are overrated. In all reality, he did say we could do the fat grafting, and I really thought about it. And my husband and my mom were about to have an aneurysm. Uh-huh. I didn't even thought of it, but after some thinking, I finally told my mom. I said, "You know, I said I think I've made a decision." And she said, "Oh my God, do I want to hear this?" And I said, "I think you do." I said, I may tattoo over the scar on the left side with something delicate and pretty just so I don't have to look at the scars for the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. but I, I won't do reconstruction anymore. And so my message to women was, you know, I know that we often, we base our ourselves so much on our appearance and being put together. And I'm definitely that person you know I, I either look homeless at home in my sweats or i'm i don't protected.
1: buy that because every time i see you you look beautiful and so put together and every time i see you I'm like okay I need to like up my game so oh, no, honey, <laughs> i'm when not I
2: po- go home i'm as socially unacceptable as possible
0: okay <laughs> <Yes. laughs> okay good I'm there with you good're Homle- in- homeless at home that's my new motto i that's love that
2: <laughs> yeah, love it. We aren't defined by our cancer journey and, and that was one thing. I never wanted to be defined as the girl with cancer. I always wanted to be Nicole. Please don't define me by what I'm going through, but mm. by who I am. and and I had breast cancer, but it's not who I am. And it tried to take me out. But the ultimate prize in all of this is life. Because after this reconstruction, I was so weak. I couldn't walk across the house. It was the second hospital stay that really hit me the hardest, the infection. And Mm. I was weak and I couldn't hardly dry my hair, walk across the house. I had to take extra time off work. I had to work half days just to build up the strength to be at work. Mm. So just to start feeling like a normal person again. It, it just made me realize that it wasn't worth it. I I was given a second chance to be a wife and a mother to my children. And it's all about perspective because life is messy mm-hmm. and how it doesn't define us though. How we handle messy is what defines us. So we don't, we're beautiful for who we are, not for what we look like. And we're amen. Not oh,
1: I love that. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's It's easy to get wrapped up in it and to think that we have to, you know, look a certain way mm-hmm. and that our value isn't in our appearance, but you, you nailed it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about our life experiences and us as people. And you it know, sounds
0: like you learned so much just about yourself and about your marriage and about how you approach life just going through this, which is, you know, that's the lesson and the piece that you were given.
2: And I joke about it now because, you know, when I was younger, my mom used to say, Nicole, God is not going to hold a big flashing sign in front of your face. She said, you have to look for God's whispers. And now I look back and I'm like, God, you could have told me before this surgery, this wasn't going to (laughs) work.
1: I have had that conversation so many times. I always tell him, I said, you really got to hit me over the head with a hammer. Like (laughs) I, I, I really won't listen to the subtle, you know, the subtle things. So I feel you, girl. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story and your journey. You're an inspiration, which is why I love that you're a mentor for us, because I think you're so strong and resilient. and mm-hmm. But you have the empathy. You understand what it feels mm-hmm. like to have those unexpected turns. And you certainly have encountered some. But there's so many women that, that are struggling with reconstruction issues. And so I know that your story will will help them come to terms with their own journey. And we just really appreciate you, Nicole. Yeah, thank you. All right. right. Join
0: us next time as we continue our conversation with Quality of Life. And we will see you then.
1: Bye, guys. If you are a breast cancer survivor and you love Besties with Breasties, make sure you join our survivorship support network at faiththroughfire.org to gain access to exclusive episodes that are ad-free and uncensored.